everybody. Welcome to this footnote episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I'm Alex Sargent. And I'm Chris Holliday. Uh, today we're doing lightning sketches, Chris. I don't even really know what that is when you explain it to me. Right. So I think we've really got to fix this um, yes, problem. Yes, yes. But luckily we've got Malcolm Cook back, a uh, friend of the show. Um, uh, you may remember him from the Christmas, Christmas ads. ads yeah. We have him in person today uh, and he's willing to give us 10 minutes on the li- a lightning to- fast tour of the lightning sketch. So Malcolm, thanks for coming back on the podcast. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting. Me. So he start. He's, that startled energy is because he's aware of the format and he's. Uh, we got to whiz through. Yeah. Um, so An yeah, expert in lightning sketches needs to condense it into into ten minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have mentioned lightning sketches briefly and poorly as we were discussing before we came on. Yeah. Um, in the footnote episode on animations, this is a chance to get somebody who is a proper expert in early right. British. Um, Animation, British cinema, and obviously has written a book on the on the subject. So who better we thought to, to get in and talk to us about lightning sketches, but also, as I understand it, a term that goes under different kinds of names as well. So I'm yeah really excited because I'm definitely going to use this for my students as well. So yeah. fine. So Chris is getting his ominous timer out. I'll ask the first question. Yeah. What what is the lightning sketch and why is it important to the history of animation? So lightning sketching, as it was called in America, or lightning cartooning, as it was more typically called in the UK, is where someone stands on stage and draws a cartoon. Okay. Oh, you do want some more? We'll have a bit more. So I'm assuming they do it quickly by the, by the, by the nature of the name. Absolutely. So, so part of the act is about doing it very quickly, showing the skill of the artist, something that we see in lots of animation, but also it's about a, a kind of guessing game. You're seeing right, this right. drawing emerge rather than the finished drawing being the thing it's about what's emerging and you're playing a guessing game so it's a very interactive for the audience um which plays upon perception and our the way our brains perceive yeah. a drawing so you're going from a line to suddenly an appearance of an object or something okay. it's important to animation for lots of reasons firstly that lots of people who did this act on stage in in vaudeville in america or music hall in the uk or in theaters in france and elsewhere went on to become the key figures in early animation so james stewart blackton did this in america right. uh georges melies in france walter booth in the uk uh, and and famously windsor mckay as well who started out as a print cartoonist but then started doing lightning cartoons and, and equivalent performances on vaudeville and that was his step into producing animated yeah, yeah. cartoons. So it starts on stage, and then how does it get it's, it's to... It's a an, stage performance. It's a stage performance. or anything. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so it's all about the performance. And, and, and that's why it starts going into cinema. Number one, it's the first point of contact between moving images and graphic art, even, in fact, before we call it cinema. So Tom Merry, British lightning cartoonist mm. who had appeared on stage one of the first films made in 1895 by the british pioneers robert paul and bert acres made for the kinetoscope so that's the individual viewing machines that edison invented before they started projecting films so more like a little peep show where yeah. you'd watch the film so so one of the first films of that was tom merry doing one of these lightning cartoons so as soon as cinema's appearing, in fact, almost before we, what we consider cinema, you've got graphic art. And, and particularly, yeah. you're adding movement to graphic art. So although this is an animation in the sense we mean today, i.e. frame-by-frame development of the image, mm. what you're doing is taking graphic art and adding movement, a performance. You're creating a time-based art form out of what we'd normally consider a, just a spatial, static art form. So preceding all of those modernist artists 
everyone knows that Jackson Pollock film. Yeah. Him doing that action painters that's supposedly so amazingly in, in, innovative. That wasn't the case because these these guys and and they were all guys. They, right. There were a few female stage performers who did it, but it's very dominated by men. Uh, we might ask why that is. Cartooning as well, but they they're adding movement to drawings in a way that precedes animation and and, and leads up to it. Um, but lots of other things about the actor are also kind of preceding or thinking about what we think about normally as animation. So. Um, Animation's often about life as well, about vitality, bringing characters' yeah. drawings to life. And lots of the things they did on stage were about doing that. So lots of them were also ventriloquists. So you're projecting your voice onto the, the faces they drew. Lots of faces were a very common subject. So they're yeah. projecting voices onto those and making them speak. Um, likewise, lots of the drawings actually had moving parts. That It might look like an easel or a piece of paper or... Um, to the audience, but actually it's got multiple cutout parts, for example, so you could start making the mouth move, which combined with ventriloquism ah, could actually nice. bring these characters to life in some ways. Yeah. So movement, we've got life, we've got transformations, the other thing we often associate with and, animation. And where is this historic, is this, is this whilst kind of proto-cinematic techniques are being invented, or is this a precursor? Has this been played for hundreds of years? When is, when, when, I'm, where am I thinking? As a stage performance, I mean, people have always drawn and people have always sure. watched people drawn, but I think as a kind of organized form of entertainment, it really only appears in the 1880s. And that's oh, why right. I think there's yeah. a moment here, right. a cultural moment in which people are thinking about, well, what would moving drawings look like? Or what, what does it mean <laughs> to add a temporal element to drawings in a way that people maybe weren't in, in earlier times? Yeah. Um, Wow. So, and, and they're thinking about transformation, how things can, can change. So lots of the artists are then, you draw one thing and then make some changes and it transforms in front of you, which metamorphosis is obviously one of those qualities that we think is central to understanding yeah. animation. Yeah. But it's also about new ways of thinking about the way we look at the world. You suddenly, people are thinking no longer do you trust what you see because what you see suddenly transforms into something else with a few strokes of the hand. So it's very much playing upon our eyes and our, the way our brains interpret what we yeah. see. So actually on that note of the hand then, and uh, this could be another episode in of itself, but I'm interested in the hand of the artist as this bridging that you've written about in your book, in, in articles, I've heard you speak about, um, the relationship between lightning sketches on stage and early cinema or early animation is the break between these two things isn't clean. In fact, it's a kind of continuum and you get early shorts called things like lightning sketches or the enchanted drawing. So the ha where does the hand of the artist play in as a kind of connective between the vaudeville and then the kind of aesthetic of these cartoons? What Because these cartoons look like they're slightly different than... Looney Tunes or whatever, you know, these are different things. Yeah, so so to begin with, the appeal is in part seeing the artist producing this drawing and these other qualities. But once you start adding trick film techniques to it, what you can see is the drawings start to come to life on yep. their own. Now, initially, that's just in small small parts, say for transformations. But but ultimately, it's about if you if you stop the camera and make a change, you 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 can see the drawing come to life of its own. Yeah. So there's a kind of intermediate stage where you no longer see the hand of the artist directly, but it's still evident from the fact that this drawing is slowly appearing. Um, and then you start making that drawing move of its own accord. Yeah. So 
uh, yeah, that, that combination of trick film techniques with this is the way that you can realize, ah, well, if we put in enough effort and do this enough times, we can make characters move. Right, right. So, so actually you're moving away from a kind of self-reflexive acknowledgement of this is a drawing to kind of making the labor invisible. Because the animation, like the cartoon is taking over, the animation is taking over, and we're no longer seeing the sign, the visible signs, but it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a long time where people, either people want an explanation of how this occurs, so you do include the hand there, or it just takes a lot of time to do this, so that, that you have elements of, of live action drawing, and then it jumps into the animated section. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, the, the focus shifts from cartoonist to the cartoon, from the life of the and skill of the cartoonist into the life and, and vitality of the drawing itself. Amazing. So I've got two. We've got a couple of minutes left. My two questions are easy questions, he says, hopefully. One are, what are some example films of these kinds of early animated films? You mentioned a couple of filmmakers. Um, and in terms of writing, where would people go? And obviously, feel free to, 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 to um, flag up your own work. But example films where if people are listening, they want to go and watch a couple of films, which I think are a lot of them online in various spaces. Um, and where might they go and read some stuff online in sketches? Yeah, so um, James Stuart Blackton's the most famous <coughs> one, but it's partly because he's American and self-serving <laughs> and, and archives his work. But actually what you see is lots of people were doing this, and I don't think he's really the inventor of this. So uh, if you look up the work of Walter Booth, something like yep. his film Comedy Cartoons, or they, there's some interesting films like Animated Cotton, the BFI website, uh, BFI Player, has quite a few films by Booth. Georges Méliès made one called, I think, The Marvelous Whiskers in English, where he does a lightning cartoon oh, and the characters change over over time and through some of these stop action things. Um, but you see it in much later cartoons. So some of the BFI player films of, from World War One still have this. It's, it retains some value. Right. Uh, for books, you want to look at Donna Crafton's book before Mickey's very influential, important early work. My own book, Early British Animation, yes. from page and stage to cinema screen, talks about it. Uh, in more detail and talks about some of these extra things, the way it precedes animation. It's not just about the skill and the hand of the artist, though that is important, but the way in which it's embedded within this idea of what animation is and also plays with perception and the way we look at the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, I mean, we, we've got 30 seconds, so we can, is there anything else about lightning sketches that we haven't Did covered? These stop when the film started then? People stopped doing them as a live stage? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Well, no, actually, you still see it. So if you, if you look today, there's still people doing it on, the, on talent shows. A number of the talent shows have had similar wow, really? or the same kind of things. But wow. sometimes they do it like the people doing sand manipulation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. has very, lots of similar qualities to it. If you, if you look on YouTube, there's videos of people doing it in, in Covent Garden, like street performers who do it, where he, the guy does a cartoon... Um, you can't tell what it is. You're going, I'm really puzzled. Then he flips it upside down, which is another thing that the old cartoonists yep. did, but do it today. So the, it's rooted in the way our eyes see drawn lines. And so therefore, there's an eternal appeal to the built-in mechanisms by which we make sense of a drawing. Brilliant. Make a yeah, good yeah. Taskmaster task, I reckon. Yeah. A lightning sketch. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, that's perfect. And I, I, I mean, I've encountered the term and I've just learned a whole bunch of things yeah. around perception and which yeah. which I know yeah Malcolm kind of goes into to a, this issue of perception in more detail in, in his book so yeah 
listeners, students as well. I always direct my students to the to the book and, and his work on lightning sketches. So um, amazing. Thank you, Malcolm. Malcolm, Superb. thank you for that lightning fast introduction to the lightning sketch. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next time. Bye.